So welcome, Dr. Sakobeni. Thank you for joining us on USC Rehab today. Uh, wanted to touch base with you a little bit and see um, uh, what your take on rehab was, what brought you to rehab, what keeps you sticking around, work you're excited about, and maybe any words that you might want to share with folks who are coming in. So let's start with that first question. Maybe what brought you into rehab? That is a loaded question there, Michael Walsh. <laughs> I'm good at those. <laughs> I, I entered it kind of around my elbow. So undergraduate, um, my dad told me that I had to be an accountant. And so I went into accounting and found out that I am not going to be an accountant and somehow found human services as an undergraduate with a family and child development focus. Really enjoyed the coursework, loved everything about it especially my practicum experiences. I was able to work both at the hospice as well as a community services board with people who had chronic and persistent mental health disorders. And my supervisors there were uh, social workers and I really appreciated what they did, but I didn't necessarily see their philosophy of working with the clients the same as my worldview. So kind of left that. And when I graduated, sought a job, couldn't find a job, ended up teaching in elementary school, thought it was a fabulous experience, um, really learned a lot about myself and where I wanted to be. I am somebody who has a disability myself. So I thought about working with people who have disabilities. And while teaching, knew I could use those skills, but in a different way. So I sought out an opportunity to work at a Center for Independent Living. And so got my start in the world of rehabilitation at a Center for Independent Living, really getting in with that grassroots advocacy, loving every second of it, learning a lot, marching at the state capitol, getting stuck on the track on a train with about 40 people who had disabilities and trying to keep everybody entertained while we're stuck on a track from Richmond back to <laughs> Uh, Hampton Roads and really thought, okay, this is where I found myself. But there's there's a piece that you have to be able to sustain life and put food on the table and enjoy your your <laughs> job. That always helps, right? <laughs> and so um, decided to go back for my master's and went in. At the time, it was community counseling and really found that that was my niche. I was able to bring in the teaching of elementary school. I was able to bring in all that advocacy and the work, peer counseling from Center for Independent Living. And for our listeners who might not be as familiar with what a Center for Independent Living is, can you just kind of give us a, a brief look at that? Sure. Years ago, rehabilitation was working with people who have disabilities and helping those folks get back to work, finding employment. But there was this piece missing, and Centers for Independent Living really fit that that hole. It was to help facilitate the best life an individual could have living independently. So looking at housing, looking at personal care assistance, thinking about what it is to have 
the social skills to be able to live independently, finance skills, things along those lines. So those holes or gaps where vocational rehabilitation programs aren't able to fill centers for independent living really do. And they offer that advocacy and that grassroots to, to get in there to really empower people who have disabilities. What a great opportunity to not only showcase your skills, but maybe really better fit your worldview. Yeah, absolutely. And so those pieces came together as I was exploring what I wanted to be when I grew up in my master's program and ended up in vocational rehabilitation. Because while I was working on my master's, also took American Sign Language and being able to work with people who were deaf or hard of hearing was something that was really sought after in that area and enjoyed that a great deal. But I knew there was something uh, missing. As hard as I was working to help folks find employment and working with them to, to help them achieve their goals, inevitably there was such a recidivism. And I questioned what was the reason for that. So I really took a hard look and recognized the family was a huge part of that recidivism rate and decided I didn't know enough about family work. So I went back to school, sought my PhD with a concentration in family counseling, but fell in love with counselor education. And so that brings me to why we have where I am now. Awesome. If you could share with us, Dr. Sakobeni, what, what keeps you hanging around rehab? What excites you? What keeps you around? For me, it really is the students. Gosh, I, I am energized every time I'm in a classroom. Even when you think, gosh, class is not going the way you hope it is, there is such an energy, a learning, just an opportunity for growth with every class. So students are the reason why I stick around because they're the next generation that's going to go out. They're going to work with folks who have disabilities, people who are, are having some struggles along the way um, in other areas of life. They're the ones who are going to be our licensed professional counselors or certified rehabilitation counselors. Sure. Um, and so they're the reason I stay. And I see that when you work with students and when you talk with students, you, you just light up. And students, when they, when they talk about you, talk about your passion and your commitment. And that sense of student-centered work is really clear. And I think, it, I think it comes through. It certainly comes through to faculty, but I think it comes through clear to students as well. I appreciate that. Yeah. They're the reason we do what we do. And when we can't look at being excited, being in the classroom anymore, we need to rethink what we're up to. <laughs> That's very true. So as you work with students, what words would you share with anyone considering rehab as a career? What, what words would you share with them about, about rehab and their place in it? Because I've been able to teach in so many different specializations in counseling, I think for me, rehabilitation counseling is the culmination of all those specializations, which is so wonderful. Because we're working with the whole person, we can think in terms of what they're doing in school and that bridging, that transition from elementary to middle school and the middle school to high school and transition from high school to the world of work or to college. 
thinking in terms of the clinical mental health, we're working with folks who have co-occurring disorders. So they might have multiple mental health disorders, or they might have physical disabilities as well as a mental health disorder. They all have families of some form, whether the families in which they're born into or the ones that they've created. And, you know, thinking in terms of all of those things, rehabilitation counseling really matches all of them. And I know that you've heard me say this at different events, but I really think in terms of rehabilitation counseling as clinical mental health on steroids, because it brings it all together. We're able to conceptualize the whole person and work with them, not defining where they need to be, but really listening to where they want to be. So really being able to put the person first and, and, and think holistically about them. What's, the, what's your best life? And then pull from each of the skills, clinical mental health counseling, family work, school work, to, to make sure that that person's living the life, their best life. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so if you're somebody who's looking at different specializations and you're kind of wondering, gosh, I, I'm, I'm really thinking counseling speaks to me more than social work, more than psychology, mm-hmm. then, um, you know, I would say, where, where do you see yourself? What, what kind of counselor do you want to be? What kind of information do you want to bring into that counseling room with you? But I, I think if that really speaks to you, looking at the person holistically and meeting them where they are, then rehabilitation counseling might be the right choice for them. Yeah, and I appreciate you sharing that. It's, it's one of the things that I appreciate about rehabilitation counseling is that it's flexibility with considering not only the whole person, but sort of everything that makes that person who they are. You know, I think it's too easy to, to be reductionistic, perhaps, and, and to think in terms of, well, we, we should work with this particular aspect of a disability, or we should work with this particular aspect of symptomology or diagnosis or whatever it is. What I love about rehab is it allows us to pull that camera back and look at that person and 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 everything else can flow from from what that person really wants. And so in that way, I think rehab's a little bit more perhaps it's 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 one of the more person-centered ways that we can think about people. Absolutely. We can think of that person just in terms of themselves peeling those layers off, you know, where are they in terms of their spirituality, their sexuality, their intimacy, how they deal with family relationships and communication, thinking in terms of education, what what speaks to them in terms of where they want to be with career or, you know, if they don't want a career, what, what do they want in terms of a job or a way to bring in money? Um, you know, so there's so many different things that we have to, to look at. The other day, I was meeting with my internship students, and we were talking about social economic status and the impact of that. And we really started to recognize that social economic status of the consumers that the interns are working with are impacting their ability to receive services right now. And so we slowed down to think about, you know, what does that mean for them? And how might we be able to approach them in talking about what this means for them in that person-centered way? 
So rather than trying to teach social skills, you need to turn in a phone number. You need to let us know where your address is. But rather having that discussion with them, rather than dictating, you know, you should be doing this, but finding out from them why they're doing it and how it impacts other people and and offering that perception so that they can make decisions about how they do live their life and whether or not they give phone numbers out or addresses out. Yeah, so allowing the person to be themselves uniquely first and explore that that challenge, that problem solving from their own perspective and come up with their own solution that works for them. Absolutely. Yeah, I had a I had an interesting experience today. My my best friend had some very very unique challenges through his life. Was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes at 37 years old out of nowhere and big adjustment to that yeah. and and so he has connected me with a type 1 diabetes group online because he wanted me to be a part of it. And so I don't know if, if there are other people without type 1 diabetes in the group, but I happen to be in the group. And it was interesting. There was, there was someone writing a paper. And he said, well, you know, I, I was writing a paper and I was in Grammarly and I called myself a diabetic and it t- told me I was wrong. <laughs> and how can it tell me I'm wrong? And it allowed the, it opened up the conversation to, I said, probably what it's referring to is the kind of this person first language idea that allows you to be you first and not be defined specifically by your disability. And, and I just kind of throw, throw it up there as information. The response to that among folks in that group has was just overwhelming. And I think that idea of putting people first is... It's such a fundamental idea that gets sort of lost sometimes in our professional world. It really does. Labels take over. Yes, for sure. Anything else that you'd like to share with anybody considering rehab as a career or anybody that wants to know more about our program specifically? Gosh, if you want to look at rehabilitation counseling as a career, the world is your oyster. There are so many opportunities find something that really speaks to your heart. So if you want to work in client contact, you can do that in agency, private practice, you can uh, work in policy. We, we even have one graduate who is working in assistive technology and does education around that. So it can be just about anything that, that you can dream up, which is wonderful. If you're considering our program in particular, I would say be ready to roll up your sleeves to truly engage. You are responsible for your own education. We're here to offer you things to think about, but it's up to you to take that information and to run with it. If you're somebody who just wants to be given information and to be the sponge, I I don't know that this is the right program for you. If you're somebody who wants to uh, explore and to ask questions and to think and to really grow as a person, then I think this might be the right program for you. Great. Great. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. We appreciate all of your insights and see you next time on USC Rehab Today. Thank you.